This week's episode is part two of our conversation with Glenn Smith. Enjoy the show. How long did Papa Gator last? It was a five-year lease. Yeah, and so was that the, the yeah, extent I, of it? Yeah, I designed five years, and uh, I knew at the time if I wanted to, I could have then signed could have reacted, five yeah. more. But between 1989 and 19, January it, to January 94, was five years could have been 20 years, because a lot had changed mm. uh, locally, but in the world, but in the times... Uh, by 94, Lulu's was gone. As we talked about 10 years earlier, you couldn't get in the place. There was right. a lineup. Uh, people that go out are in their late 20s and 30s at that time. They're looking maybe for their second husband or their second wife. Five or 10 years later, they're now in their late 30s and early 40s. Time moves on. Mm-hmm. And to have an audience to grow with you is a very difficult thing. In a, in a, in a nightclub, it's impossible it's because impossible, yeah. kids go to these places you know, people in their fifties don't go to raves and take ecstasy and party. <laughs> your crowd goes. Some, you, you, your crowd outgrows it. Like, yeah, yeah, they outgrow yeah. it in their lifestyle, and yeah. they then have kids that they have to stay home with. And well, and that's why any bar has a shelf life. Most bars, I should say, we'll get to, to why it, you, you've done something a little bit different than that. But the, as we move down the trail here, but the it's hard enough for just a, like a bar, but for a nightclub, like you said, it's impossible. Right. It's impossible. Yeah, and you have to change with it. Or uh, usually it just gets passed by. Or, or you have to be, you look at a place like the Elma Combo that's just opening up now. But it's not the Elma Combo from the 70s or the 80s. You know, they had to totally reinvent it with every aspect of it. It's nothing more than a name now. You right. Know? And a lot of people say, Open Pop the Gator it was so great. Well, you can't. Every band I ever had is now dead. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. That's as silly as saying, let's get uh, big bands at the Royal York Hotel like they had in the 50s. Right, yeah. It's, it's, uh, time has passed. Let's get the jazz it. bands that they had at the Maple Leaf Lounge. And, and you've and, done you know. some like reunion shows for that. Then that's right. sort of the place for that now, right? Find right. like a venue like you did at the museum right. and have like a Pop the Gator anniversary party. That's, right. the, that's what... that. That's nostalgia for people. Right. But you can't run a business on nostalgia. It'd be, no, you can't. No. No. Okay, so Pop the Gator, after five years, when at what point do you start thinking about the next place? Oh, every day. Yeah. I, I'm not the same so, way. <laughs> I said Pop the Gator for two years, and I was driving with Jeff Heaton uh, back in Toronto. We went by uh, a place in Kitchener. It's now a tattoo parlor, Power Tattoo or something. And, it, and I knew it was nothing but a Coke den in there. And uh, uh, I can't think of the name of the place, Cafe something. And I went in, and it was just, it was horrendous. It was just mm. terrible. It was like, you know, heroin addicts sitting around melting in chairs and that. And I, <laughs> and I could tell it was coming to an end. So I knew the guy that owned the building. Okay, can I interject here again? Uh, sorry, I keep interrupting you, but I just, uh, you say a lot of interesting things. So I just want to keep the, ask you a couple of questions about it. Like, so when you see a spot like that, like you have to have some sort of a vision where you're like, and I'll use the example. You asked me about this place before I opened. What was it? And I said, oh, I joke it was like a murder basement, right? Like we did everything. Like when you look at it, <laughs> you spices brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, when you look at it, like yeah, when you look at the place, you got to see something in it, even with all the warts, right? Like, sure, but yeah. you're also getting back to what? I'm, what are yeah. you opening? Yeah, you, you yeah. knew you're opening a uh, a drink, yeah, a bar. 
nighttime, not a nightclub to some degree, but a no, bar. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, Rum-based drinks, whiskey-based yeah. drinks, where it's not just an old beer joint. And right. You're waiting for rubbies to crawl in and drink $2 Pabst Blue Ribbons right. and wait for them to puke and throw them out, you know. But you're looking at this room, this fucking... It's not like that, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, stick around. <laughs> you're looking at this fucking heroin den, and you got to see something in it to be like, okay, right. I'm this can be something. I could make it look like one of those uh, corner bars I've seen in the States right. a million times. It was um, a 50-seat bar. I'm thinking, I'll turn this into a beer joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did. I went and found the guy uh, that owned it. He hated these people because they uh, hadn't paid rent. It was terrible. And I went in, and I was around 91 or 92. And I just re-ripped it apart and opened up. Now I knew it's not in the nightclub business. This had nothing to do with music. Right. This was a corner bar with a small kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it was. It mm-hmm. was... The circus room, I always like reinventing stuff. The original circus room neon sign I found up at Waterloo, that was at the Waterloo Hotel back in the oh, 50s really? and 60s. Oh, really? They had an auction, and I bought the sign for $25, and I got the, all the neon refurbished and everything, and it became the circus room with the Great circus party. posters. and yeah. Well, it's inducive to drinking. Mm-hmm. And circus is what? Colors, reds, bright yellows, mm-hmm. you know, animals high wire acts you can have fun with the, the look of it and the, mm-hmm. so we did that for a couple of years um, and that, it, it, it was pretty successful from what yeah, I, we that was a book before my time <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, it was, was uh, but it was a corner bar and yeah. there weren't any in town that were like that and that's pretty deep into Kitchener it's, a, it's got sort of a rough area almost at the time too yeah but it's almost almost it's so far out it's almost past it right to some degree but then I, I, it was still a learning curve because I'd never been in the corner bar business before. So what had I done wrong? Well, I had parking, but not enough. Mm. I didn't have any patio. There was no patio, and I'm thinking, okay, this is where I learned. You need parking and patio. Right. So I was there for about two years. Uh, saw another location in Waterloo, an old KFC, which turned into Ethel's Lounge. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, this is an upgrade same idea, but it's better than the idea I'm doing now. Uh, twice the size, you know, parking for 30 cars or something, plus street parking that'd be accessible, uh, a patio that'll hold 100 people, and it's in a perfect spot that it's recessed enough away from the road that you, you don't feel like you're sitting on the road, but you can still see people as they go by. So the patio worked out perfect because the sun sets and goes right over the patio all day long and it's not in a shadow or anything so all of that worked perfect and I used to live next door to it's now a dentist's office but my parents owned the building beside it I lived in the basement in between marriages and I would go when it was a KFC and look at it they were open then and I'd go in it every day order chicken and wander around the back of the building (laughs) measuring and dreaming (laughs) they had no idea and uh, figuring out that I go this place is built to be a bar. In a real in a way it was, it was built as a dairy back in the old in the forties. It was maple like dairies. And so there was walk in fridges in it already. And it was and the way it was designed for the uh, right on the right on the street. You can't even build a building that close to the street now. Yeah. But it had side door for beer delivery. And it was built 
perfectly, really, to be a bar. So you, you're already thinking about this spot while Circus Room is still open. At what point do you pull the plug on Circus Room? As uh, soon as I signed the lease to Ethel's. Oh, you, that was it. You're out. Yeah, yeah, so I had both of them for a very brief point of time. I had uh, opened Ethel's in June of 94, and I had sold the circus within a few months of that, September something of 94. Okay. Passed a very small amount of money, because I just wanted to be rid of it. Right. I said, somebody, the first person to give me $60,000 owns it. And that's lock, stock, and barrel. Like, yeah, the way a bar is full, ready to go. Really? Everything. And I had six people say they were going to do it. I said, all right, first guy in gets it. And I whittled them down because one was drunk and the other one went home and told his wife. <laughs> the other one went home and told his wife and they were going to do it. She had, a, she had a stroke that night. And thank God he didn't get into it because she almost died. Well. And then a guy from Toronto came, wheeled out the 60 grand. And we were open. I opened that day at noon. And by one o'clock, I had the place full of people. By one o'clock, they they went from being my customers to his customers. He ended up cashing them out at the end of the night because I sold him the bar halfway through. Oh, the is shift. that right? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I just took my still out with all the money and everything. Those are different times. I put it in my truck and drove away. That's so fucking amazing. Later. I never heard that story before. Okay, so another thing I want to talk to you about those uh, bars, though, uh, and I think this goes back to Pop the Gator. One, one. Um, Sort of, if you have a, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is now, this is great hosting right now. The, uh, the word I'm looking for is like, if there's like a, a Glenn Smith signature about the bars that at least I know that I've been in that you've owned, is all of your shit is in the bar. And by that I mean like all, all this vintage stuff, vintage posters, uh, vintage blues posters, like vintage signage, signage everything. Like, uh, Everything is, has like some something you bought from an auction somewhere or picked up along the way in your travels, right? And you've kind of moved this stuff from bar to bar. To some extent, I, yeah. I like to put it in only if it fits. Right. Uh, circus Room had Circus Room stuff. Yeah. Pop the Gator had like a hundred blues posters mm-hmm. in it. Uh, Ethel's in Waterloo has a lot of music posters, but they're all concerts that were in Waterloo in the 70s. Right. So, yeah, you make it specific to the spot. Right. But you have all this shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you have now, what, a storage room up in Hawksville, essentially. A uh, couple yeah. tractor trailer container yeah. loads. And so, like, fully organized. This is like the accumulation of your life's work, all this stuff. Yeah. So, traveling around the U.S. and, like... Well, it's getting back to I can bring bands to town that I really like yeah. and see them play. Same thing. I'm able to stay in my own hometown now because we we're just some dusty stop along the way back in the 80s. Mm. Nobody gave Kitchener Water any respect. Right. Anywhere. You know, it's like, why would you live there? You know, well, I was born here. So, yeah. moved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I stuck it out because the town, in my case, without sounding um, crash earning, has been really, really, really good to me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I we talk about these bars, they've been well attended through me meeting a lot of people along the way and convincing them that I just wasn't some con artist or some bullshit artist and that I was going to give them, I always try and give them value for their money. Right. They pay to see some band, they go pay, you know, go see Robert Cray for $6 or yeah, something. Yeah, to get yeah, in. Yeah. And at the end of the night, they're like... They're just ecstatic. You can see it in their eyes. Mm-hmm. When's the next show? Right. 
you know, and you give, you over give them, you over deliver, and I've always attempted to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like putting stuff in bars on the walls because I saw that and I learned other people that it's a mistake of what they do or don't put in their bars. And just because some beer company gives you some radical shitty poster, fucking doesn't mean you have to sign. put it up. Yeah. You better just tell them thanks, but I'm not going to use yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, I'm not going to use that. You know, yeah. or if it fits your spot, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, and I attempted to do that. That you're sitting there drinking, and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, where I came at Ethel's, um, a whole bunch of old CKCO stuff because it's yeah. local stuff, and it only works there. It wouldn't work in a bar in Hamilton or right. something because it wouldn't work in a circus issue, room, you know? right? Like same thing. Right. I, it does fit that spot. If well, you're right. in Hamilton, you put CHCH TV stuff mm. up or something. So it's got right. a local connection. Mm. So local people can feel it's like a local guy, and people love locally to support local people yep. always especially and, in and this I town think, actually yeah yeah and I think because they realize you're from here and they respect that you've hung in there and you did it and they will support you I've seen all kinds of businesses chain restaurants and bars um, come to town think we're from Toronto yeah and we're gonna set up and our brand is so popular and so strong in Toronto mm. you know this is a university town we'll nail it this university town is different than every other university town. Mm-hmm. You know, Hamilton is totally different than Guelph. It's different than Kingston. And they're all totally different. Mm-hmm. What beer is drank in southern Ontario is different from town to town. Mm-hmm. You know, in London, they all drink blue. In Guelph, they all drink, you know, black label. Down in St. Catharines, they drink crystal. It's mm-hmm. so regionalized and it's different. And you have to figure out where you fit in to that pattern Mm -hmm. but um, it's just um, I think we're talking about what's on the walls but again it's just I found it interesting that if you have local character you then become a local character and it helps and I mean you're selling yourself to some degree you know people walk in a restaurant go great restaurant uh, love the look, love the waitress, love the food, love the prices. The owner, what an asshole! Yeah, they're not coming <laughs> back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always a lesson here. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so you attempt not to be too big of an asshole too often. You know, you have to pick your moments. You know, but it's um, where people can feel comfortable. But they they will support you. Yeah. And when I talk about Toronto people coming in, they they go, why aren't people flocking to my restaurant? Because you're a dick and you came into town with a big ego and too much attitude and people don't know who you are mm-hmm. and um, it doesn't work. And then they and they also come into town and they take the first location, getting back, that they find. You know, some guy wants to open the anchor bar for chicken wings. Oh, Where yeah. can I open up? Well, there's nothing available. Well, what about that one over there that always seems to be empty in yeah. six months? <laughs> yeah. My brand is so big. I will turn that shitty corner around. Right. He's gone. Well, there's so many you know, fucking, there's so many of these dead spots and every town has them too. I saw right. just the other day, these like, like one place, like, you know the um, place where Alibaba Steakhouse was forever? <laughs> that, the they, did, they did well forever. When they closed down, that place became one of those locations that just and nothing could work. The reason for that is they built the liquor store across the street. At one time, that was a parking lot. Right. All along uh, there. So when they built all of those buildings there, the parking lot that wasn't the Alabama's that he used, but the people was gone. would people would park there. No yeah. parking. I'm not going. Right. 
people in this town like to pull up to the front door, park, and walk in. It's weird. It's weird about this town. I agree with well, that. Parking seems to be. You shouldn't be fucking driving to the bar anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but we all do. It's one person, each in your own car individually. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I have thirty people in my bar, and there's thirty cars that I'm It's very true. But it's uh, in Toronto. They they grow up on uh, or the same mentality in New York, where you grow up in Manhattan, and there's people who lived there all their life, never owned a car. Yeah. Because they know they hop on a taxi, hop and Toronto on a too. Yeah. And if they ever say, well, let's go to the Hamptons in the summer, they phone down to a limo service and the car comes, picks them yeah. up, takes them out, and they go, here, $400, whatever. Well, yeah, it's just part of your pay, night. I don't pay gas, I don't pay insurance for the year. I don't, I don't have to worry about driving drunk. You know, it's yeah. great. And you, and do you, you think, uh, do you see this changing with the LRT now in town? or Everything changes. I mean, like obviously, our, without even talking about the virus. Yeah. Um, everything changes. This is this is big. This will change a lot of things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, LRT. Yes. I'm not sure exactly where all the winners and the losers are yet, hmm. but there will be winners. I can see that the the dead zone between William Street and Waterloo and uh, Victoria Street. Past the hospital, and I mean that for a business is a dead zone. You can't go left because of the tracks, and you'd have to go around, and, you know, I, I feel bad for guys. Some yeah. have been there forever. Central Meat Markets, you know. Yeah, that's hurting them, yeah. You know, because it's like, well, you can only come this way and that way, and, and people have been there a long time. But it should be good, in theory, if it, if it, if it works the way that they, the city expects it to work, and people actually are taking it regularly, it should work for bars. Because you you, wouldn't, you don't have to worry about whether there's an excessive amount of parking, and you don't have to worry about getting your car home, right? Like true on, the, on that level, yes. Also, uh, the generation of today um, really respects this drinking and driving thing. Yeah. When you see guys that get nailed for drinking and driving, they're old guys like us. They go, ah, I got a car. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I used to like drive home, and I'm still doing it. Take the back you roads. Know, yeah. We'll take the back roads. We'll back snake it home. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. the kids today respect that. So drinking and driving, I think it's becoming less and less and less. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I mean, obviously Which that's a good great. thing. Yeah. Okay. So Ethel's, you come to Ethel's, and now Ethel's becomes a staple in the community. Uh, now let's. But it takes a long time. Oh yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I remember getting in a taxi. We we've been open like fifteen years. And I said, the cab driver, take me to Athos, and he'd never heard of it. Oh, I know. So it, ta- it took us about 20 years to become an overnight success. Right, yeah. Where, this is those and that's what being right on King Street across from a Tim Hortons with a lit-up neon sign double-sided with a martini glass that <laughs> blinks. <laughs> and people still didn't notice it, you know. So I needed those Hollywood... Plague lights at night that are going around advertising, <laughs> you know, the Batman light at night so they yeah, could yeah. follow it down. So how how long has Ethel's been open for now, though? Uh, next month will be 26 years. 26 years. And so I don't know if you're aware of this, but I used to work at Ethel's Lounge. Oh, I must have been away that week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a week that turned into 16 years. <laughs> um, well, I don't do the hiring. <laughs> Just all the firing. Yeah. Um, when, uh, and what I found about Ethel's, and we can talk about this and tell me if you've, you obviously know better than I do, but in the time that I worked there, which was a long time, long-ass time, and there's a reason, I should just as an aside, there's a reason why people 
get a job at Ethel's and don't want to leave. Should we turn this off for a minute? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great fucking spot to work. It's a great spot to work. You make great money. The clientele's great. Uh, the ownership mm. treats you well for the most part. Uh, but you, you don't, you don't, you're not up in people's shit. Like, you're not micromanaging every fucking Well, detail. it doesn't help. No. And, and you hire people who know what they're doing for the most part. Um, mm. well, president company accepted. What a text. Yeah. Uh, my hand on a Bible and I have to tell the truth here? <laughs> But when I started working there, it was very much a bar. Like, we didn't get busy till like 9, 10 o'clock at night, and then we were busy right till 2. But I, your shifts would start at 5, and, and, and we knew that would be the dead spot. And then it sort of shifted in the other direction. But why? Now. Uh, well, that's what I'm going to ask you about. The, um, by the time I was done there, all the, we were very busy between 5 and 10, and not so busy between 10 and 2. And there was a very sweet spot in the middle of that where it was busy the whole fucking way. And right. those, those were what I called the years where I put away enough money to open my own bar. <laughs> but, uh, I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, you had some women out there giving <laughs> you money on the side or something. Oh, wow. This is a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think... Like, obviously... The, the times change. The times change. The times change from the 90s then to 2000s, kind of, I don't know when the food thing... But people, instead of going to into a bar... And having something to drink and then go, oh, look, they do food here. Let's order some food. It turned into, well, look, we're going there for dinner. And then we're going to also we'll have get a some couple drinks. of drinks. Yeah. So we're going to have to, so that, that the dynamics of the times, I didn't change it. The times the changed. The times changed. But, the good, but what you did have was a good spot to drink and a good spot to eat. And right. that, that's the key, right? So that when the times changed, you weren't just there already, right? right? So, like, because you already had a great food menu and a reasonable cost to the food like i always it was like slightly better than it's slightly better well much better than pub food but for around the same price is like what you guys serve at athos right and so people really do come there for the fucking food all the time and you and then you got the smoker you brought the smoker in and now that's that brought up the beer food up to a whole another level i feel like we're not talking about a smoker cigarettes no <laughs> <laughs> a barbecue smoker. it was the chef who smoked while they were yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, weed in the I'm gonna grab us another bottle of wine while you explain why. Let's give give the give the listeners here a little detail about the food and how and your concept behind it. Um, because I know nothing about the restaurant business, and when I say that, believe me, I didn't even go to one as a kid. Um, <laughs> my dad was too cheap, and he loved my mom's cooking too much. That I, I had a real bad attitude about restaurants, about how you had to do things. And they say, you had to do this and you have to do that. And I refused to be like that. And because the kitchen at Ethel's is so small, we didn't have a lot of room for a lot of equipment. And when I say a lot of equipment, I didn't have extra equipment. I thought if we needed it, we'll get it. And if we don't need it, we're not going to make room for it. So... We didn't have any room at all for a deep fryer. I said, I'm not gonna have any deep fried crap here because every other restaurant in town getting back to do it, you know, first, better or different. I said, we're gonna do it different. We're gonna do it different. We'll be the first place without a deep fryer. If I'm just gonna open up a place with French fries and chicken wings, I might as well just open up a Kelsey's franchise. Right. And I couldn't work for a corporate type place because I, 
have a bad attitude, and I just knew it wouldn't work. And they wouldn't take me anyways, and I respect that. And 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 I'll, and I'll just say as well, in the in the time that I worked there, I remember it going from what you don't have a fucking deep fryer because it seems like the type of place that would, um, and you don't have French fries and you don't have this and that to the point where. By the time I was done working there, people would be like, it's so fucking great that you don't have a deep fryer. Yeah. You know what but, I mean? But again, that's yeah. how the times changed. Yeah, the and times changed. that was change. part of the change. Yeah, to your I, point. I had people, I had a lady that worked there for years, Diane O'Reilly, and she told me if I ever put a deep fryer in, she would quit. She'd been there like, you know, 20 years. Because she loved telling people we don't have that crap here. Well, and, and well, since you brought her up, cheers to the legend that cheers. is Diane O'Reilly. Well, she was a legend. And yeah. She deserves all the respect in the world, so God bless her. Um, Wherever she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't judge. <laughs> no, but she was, and that, and that's a cool thing to talk about Ethel's, too. Um, this was your day bartender for how many years? Like, every day. People, I hired her over the phone. I never actually met her. I was at the circus room. And I, what I was telling her daughter, who worked for me at the circus room, I said, what I'd like to do is get someone more secure, middle-aged, and they can work the day shift, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, and then I got that part settled, and they know exactly what's going on all the time, and I, I've got an anchor there. And she goes, oh, that's my mom, she'd do it. I said, well, get her on the phone. So we talked on the phone for 10 minutes. And I got a great sense right away, and I said, okay, well, you're hired, you can start, we're going to open a couple months, and you're hired for that. She said, okay, thanks. I didn't meet her till a month or two later. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and do you, this brings up an interesting point, how do you feel, like, okay, so you obviously felt some way about it because you wanted to hire someone, an anchor, as you described it. What do you feel like is the effect of, like, a, your regulars coming in and seeing the same face every day you know that person knows what they want to drink they know what they want to eat if they're going to eat right. like they just know like I, I mean I know Ethel's is a is the spot for regulars like people who drink there every fucking day of their but life but there's a reason what are they doing right now yeah. <laughs> I don't know they're all getting healthy yeah <laughs> <laughs> I saw the other day I went by and there a couple of them were standing in the parking lot. <laughs> I go, what are you doing this? Dude? We came here just to touch the building. <laughs> Get out of my land. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but they, that's important. That's yeah. you know, if there's a thousand things you have to do right in a bar, that's important. Get regulars. You need I don't know. Well, especially for a corner bar. Right, because now I'm not in the nightclub business. Yeah. I have a corner bar, a corner bar with food and and beer and and kind of slash part restaurant part bar mm -hmm. and there's people that come in there and drink every day they're there at noon and they they've never eaten a thing there ever they leave after a couple drinks and go home there's people that don't come there ever before five o'clock they'll have food and drink and go home there's people who've never been there until it's dark and you have to find different people to fit different slots at different times and and even a new thing that i notice now that in the old days, when somebody was single and they met someone and they date and then they're married, you go, whatever happened to so-and-so? Well, they got married and they're probably broke and they're going and getting their first crappy house to get a better house. And now the times don't let them slow down. They go, no, 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 no. We're, we, when I got married, we're still going back to Ethel's. Right. We have kids. 
But they bring their kids. They bring their kids. Like, we never had kids in there like we did before now. It's like a goddamn no. Ronald McDonald's in there some days on the side. <laughs> like I said, even but from the start them, of me working there to the end, the yeah, difference was amazing. But it feel, they feel comfortable yeah. that they want their kids to come in, be part of it, be, because the parents said, I'm not changing my life. You know, I'm not going to go be drinking and driving, but still, I want to still go to Ethel's. I want to take my kids there. And they feel comfortable. And they feel comfortable that it wasn't a young person's place or a really old person's place, that you kind of get the dynamic of the community between age groups or all feel comfortable. Older people don't mind that there's younger people there. Younger people don't think there are old people there. I always thought, like, about Ethel's, about the crowd that comes there, is, like, you get every kind of person, but you also get a certain kind of person at the same time. So it's does that make sense to you? Like, so how, where, like, a Kelsey's will get every kind of person, right. but at Ethel's... Or jocks. Yeah, but at <laughs> Ethel's you get, like, or, like, a hotel bar gets every kind of person, but, like, at Ethel's you get every kind of person while also being a certain type of person who wants to drink at that type of place and eat there. Yeah, I, It's a little bit of a cooler crowd. Yeah, it is, and that's how I describe it. I had a guy that owns a bar in town, owns a whole bunch of bars in town, and he came in once and he's sitting there and he was trying to figure out my crowd. And I didn't really want to tell him because he'd go out and try and steal them all away on me. Yeah. And I said, I oh, don't worry, you couldn't do it anyways, you wouldn't know how. Right. You, you don't know why. I said, you got to know stuff. You have to know reference. To, when somebody makes a movie reference, my crowd will know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. When they're talking about reggae or jazz or blues, and there's guys in our place that don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you go into some place, it's just a sports bar. All they know is that the sports Leafs are on tonight right. and the Jays lost again. You know, right. They hammer a bunch of old sports pictures up on the wall, and I guess we're a sports bar. That's how you become a sports bar. Most of it's crap you wouldn't want. Um, I don't know. I always have a, a lot of respect for the the people that come into Athos that they know what they're talking mm-hmm. about. They know about art. They know about yep. plays. They know about things that are going on. They know about music that's in town at other bars. And, and do you think it's important for your staff to also know that stuff? Because it's definitely a place. It's a test? Well, I'm, no, I'm just asking. <laughs> I'm just asking because, uh, like, you ha- like, it seems like you've always had the type of people working there. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about, like, the people who are working there even now. People who have worked there. Like, there's people who have worked there for 20 fucking years. Like, yeah. The, the, but no. <laughs> JR has been there 30. Yeah. <laughs> it's been over 26. But they know how to talk to your crowd that comes in. I, did you, how important is that? Oh, it's, again, another one of the things right. you have to do right. And if you have to hire properly. And I've never hired, let's, you know, uh, let's go find some spoken hot chicks that work there that look fabulous. You might have promised them some jobs, but you didn't hire them. (laughs) (laughs) There were some promises made. (laughs) But, um, you know, I mean, big Dan Moran that worked there for a long time was at Red Rabbit in Stratford. I hired him because he was a great guy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he was a quality guy. Or a he, guy like, well, you might you might have a different opinion when you know if you find out that he's why I got my job there. So I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. all that. Dan and I grew up together in Kingston. So. Well, I, I yeah. knew you yeah. knew yeah. each other yeah. from yeah. way back. But um, again, other people, you know, Greg Brow that worked there forever, yep. ever, and ever, and um, and you, if you hire right, it saves you a whole lot of. You know, yeah, and you're going to make mistakes. Obviously. And hiring wrong is usually what they all do. It's I'm in university. I'm just here for a season. I don't really, I don't really care about you or whatever crappy restaurant you got. I'm just here to make money. 
I mean, I, I think there is. A, I don't want those people. Right. Well, and it doesn't work for your type of place. I think there is a certain type of business where, oh, does it make sense to hire super attractive 20 year old women? Yeah, that's called like nightclubs, right? right. Like, that's because there's a douchier crowd that wants to go, and right. that's the reason they're there. But they're young guys that yeah. are, you know. But that's not what your bar is, no. so why would you hire those type of people? Like, because I want to be there yeah. 26 Ex- more years. Exactly, because that act gets tired. Right, it gets And those women get, get older. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, I remember reading a thing years ago, a guy that had the filthy McNasty's chain out of, it started <laughs> Oakville or something. And he's going, you know, we have people here that have been here like three and four years. <laughs> <laughs> three and four years. I had a guy working in the kitchen once. I used to call him the new guy. I didn't even know his name for 10 years. <laughs> So, okay, so, like, while we're talking about that, I did work there for 16 years. We can get a little personal for a little bit, if you don't mind. We'll, we'll uh... Uh-oh, this uh, is where I should have brought a knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. We, uh, obviously, I will, I will say on my part, by the end of my time working there, I don't think I wanted to be there anymore, and I don't think you wanted me there anymore. And uh, I think it showed on both ends. <laughs> like, uh, well, we can say that now. We're if, a few I, years. if I just nod, you'll never <laughs> yeah. you won't hear it on tape. Yeah, that's right. No, but that's that's I'd say that's a fair assessment. Well, you, I, you I don't wanted think, to move on because you had your own dreams and aspirations. But I also started to get a pretty shitty attitude, and I'm not gonna like sugarcoat that part of it. And 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 you have the type of place there where you can't afford to have your front facing right. staff have shitty attitudes and like right. I got tired of seeing the same faces every day right. and it came across that I just wasn't probably happy in my life either all that stuff and like you you weren't going to fire me for a reason like that but I'm sure you weren't too upset when I decided to quit either <laughs> it's okay we're talking about like the greatest day of my life <laughs> <laughs> but it I could <laughs> I could say this it did your diary <laughs> Greatest day has just happened. Yeah. Leafs won the Stanley Cup. No, Kip quit. <laughs> wow. Uh, um, you read it. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, okay, moving along. Yeah. No, but we were we. I mean, you and I had a lot of good times there. Uh, we oh, went. Yeah, we I, went to New Orleans together. Went to Chicago together. Had a yeah, great I mean, time. I don't look back and say, "Oh, it's terrible." Whatever. It's, it's just things. That's, uh, if you let this stuff, you know, you sweat it out. Like I say, I've been through way too much in other bars mm-hmm. to you know if I was the micromanage I know people that own bars in this town that will die at their bar because they were there they're there 18 hours a day they get up in the morning and they go there and then they sit in the office and they watch what's going on in the monitors and they watch the bar they go home late at night and they have nothing in their lives and they go back I don't want to be that guy right I'm never the first guy at Ethel's Right. To open the door. I'm not the last guy to leave. Not anymore. I don't want to <laughs> ever, you know. I mean, somebody, I lost my key to the place about a year ago on a ring of keys. And somebody stole them, don't even know what they had. But uh, I said to Rob that runs the office at Ethel's, I said, somebody took my keys to the front door of Ethel's. I don't even have a key. And he goes, that's probably better that way. <laughs> <laughs> But you also change your lifestyle a lot, and it's probably just comes getting older too. Like when I first started working there, you were, you you were holding, you weren't there working till last call, but you were there till last call, <laughs> and uh, you used to drink a lot heavier. Uh, yeah, and but again, how old was I when I opened up? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like things I just. I mean, when I opened Ethel's, I was 38. Yeah. And I just I was just short of 39. I was in June, and my birthday's in August, so I was just short of 39. 
I'm 64 now, just short of 65. Right. That's a big chunk of life. Yeah. Like, that's 26 years, but it's like, from the, you know, it's not like a beginning part, which I have no regrets. At. I hope I'm there to the day I croak. I could care less. Yeah, well, well and you had a lot of fun there. Yeah, yeah, and I continued to. Yeah. But since then, married, you know, when I first was there, when I opened, I wasn't married or with anyone. It didn't matter, you know. But I got drunk and fell down and... Whatever. It didn't matter. Nothing didn't matter. mattered. Didn't I, could matter. Ca- I didn't really care about anything. Right. You know? um, and, and as I got older, I realized that some of it was, I discovered I was type 2 diabetes. And I was literally, my sugar was so crazy. <laughs> that, um, you, you get wacky in your brain a little bit. And then mm. you don't realize, you don't care about anything because you realize your sugar is so way out of whack and everything. And then I, my doctor discovered, got me on pills, and I was way better, and attitude changes. So you, you look at things better again, all realistic. Yeah. Without getting too far off track No, here. no, that's, that's what but we're here we're, to talk we're about. But we're talking about uh, the times. So mm-hmm. it's my times have, I went through my 30s and 40s and 50s into my 60s now at that bar. Yeah. As the times went through the 90s up until today. Uh, with everything that's going on in the world, will constantly change. You adapt with it. I haven't really had to adapt. I haven't tried. I haven't changed the menu saying we have to, oh, we got to rip all this out and become, you know, vegetarian. Or we have to rip it all out and become, you know, Indian restaurant or something with curries and all that. We've just attempted to have... Little tweaks. Yeah. Tweak the menu. Tweak the prices. Uh, change with the times. Draft beer. Everything used to be Canadian Coors Light. And no, you can't just do no, that. No, now you have... You got to have your crafts. Muskokas and yeah. Cowbells and Wellington. Yeah, I remember when I first started working there and our beer menu was so small and like it was just like and, and you you had to deal with Molson so you the taps were Molson the the majority of the fridge was Molson with maybe a yeah. sleeve we had brick beer yeah, brick because you had a relationship with it's a local brewery yeah. I wanted to support yeah but aside from that that was pretty basic right and I said and I came in like I was because of course I knew everything I, I so yeah and that's yeah. how I learned everything yeah <laughs> I listened to Kip. Yeah, yeah. But it goes back and to what my I was, hearing got bad. I didn't listen to it. <laughs> but it goes back to what I was saying before. Like when you work for someone, you always think you could do a better job right. until you until you. I like I learned so much once I opened my first place, and I was like, holy fuck! I didn't know a fucking thing when I thought I knew everything. You know right. what I mean? That's what, that, and that's part of just getting old as well. But right. um, but I was like, I remember saying to you, some people like, why don't you get like a couple more beers in here? And you, like people ask for this, people ask for this, and you were just like, Kip. Once they're in my door, they'll drink what I got. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> and it's true. I, I learned a lesson of that once when a guy walked up to a bar when I was doing a show at the end of the night, and all we had left was uh, like Coors Light and whatever, Canadian or something. He goes, well, I want an export. I go, we don't have any export. And he wanted to stand there. And this is just before last call when I was doing a blue show mm. on Ontario Street. And he wanted to debate it. And I just looked over him to the next guy, like I discounted him. Next. Yeah. And, and then he realized, he goes, oh, okay. Yeah, okay Canadian oh, sounds okay. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you get a person walks into a bar, I'd say odds are they're there to drink. Mm. They're not there to debate the idea whether they <laughs> really want to have a drink or they should be there. Once they're in the door, that decision's already been made. Once they parked the car, came in, had a drink, you know, they're ready to order. 
Well, so, the other thing I wanted to say about ethyls too is like not only is it just such a great staple and how it's the times have changed, but ethyl still stays the same and still endures, and you're still busy like crazy. That's something. I mean, that's that's a, that's a legacy bar, right? Like, when, I guess. I, I don't mean, know. It's hard for me to see it sometimes. I'm sure. You know, I just I always gone in, and some of this is being way too cocky. Is that when I opened the Gator, the Circus, ethyls, Hoodoo? I knew they were going to be busy. Yeah. I was not taking any negative negativity from my friends. I never work because I got a lot of that, and I just never listened. And I just assumed that we were going to do enough right that this was going to work. This was, mm-hmm. and whether I'm just insane with that, or I'm just way too cocky or way too much overconfidence, and I just exuded that. And I told everyone, we're going to be busy. Don't worry about it. And we're not. We'll do stuff and get people in here. And you kind of tell me that too, because I always, I never felt like I always felt like my places were going to work. Well, and maybe I shouldn't have, but like having that attitude is the most important part, right? Like, yeah. Because yeah. if you're, you know, the worst thing, most people's worst enemy is themselves. Yeah. They're hard of themselves for no reason. They lay in bed and they, oh, what are people thinking? What are they going to do? Oh my God, uh, you know. All they're doing is not getting a full night's rest and they're thinking stupidity. It's just get over that crap. Have confidence in what you do. I mean, I walk around with all the confidence in the world. Yeah. I, I shouldn't, but it's like <laughs> well, but you just assume and I you do right things and you're always attempt to pay it forward by being nice to people, over deliver, like I said before, and people will realize that, you know, I, I I remember an example. I went in the washroom once. I was using the washroom and Ethel was taking a leak. And a guy walked in and he was astounded. He says, you don't have your own private washroom downstairs here? You actually pee with the common people here? And I went, why not? I'd never attempt to make myself look bigger or better or cockier. And that's, and that's just stupid. When you think you're better than what your audience is, you're, you're a moron. You're dead, yeah. You know, and once they sense that you're driving some Lamborghini outside and you've got some fancy car and you, you don't even go to your bar in the winter because you go down south and you're in Europe for the season and all this, your bar is going to be a ghost town in no time. And I've seen that so many times. Yeah, well, I, I always drove crap vehicles. I never had airs. I, you know, told people, people ask me about stuff, I would tell them. I was never snooty about anything. I know. I'm you know? still working the floor here, and sometimes people will be like, you're the owner, and you're, like, serving us? And I'm like, well, I know, fuck, I bought, first of all, I need the fucking money. But, right. <laughs> yeah. No, but, yeah. And then, but people say, when you walk away, you go, hmm, there's something to that. Yeah. Uh, you know? The one thing I was gonna also going to say about Ethel's, and we had Jess Sharkey uh, on the show earlier, uh, and who also worked uh, at Ethel's Forever, and uh, she, we, the two of us were talking about how Ethel's was the best training ground of all time. Like for like it, it like you, you first of all you have to know what the fuck you're doing to get a job there, but uh, but it's going to turn you from like a pretty good server into an absolute pro. Like it's yeah, the, I've never served. Well, just I don't take, know how. <laughs> take my word for it, because it, the reason is like it, 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 that place will teach you to treat. Sorry, teach you time management like no other place because it's so busy and you have to do everything yourself. Right. Like and everything's manual. Right. It's not like you can't. Right. You Old know, school. Yeah, you got to remember the shit. You gotta. You gotta go 
you've got to cover a lot of, if you're working the patio, you've got to cover a lot of ground, make your own drinks, bring them back, right. and like, and also do all, and, and well, it's better now that we have a full bar out there. Sure, yeah, but back in the day, like, it, right. it, it, that place teaches time management, like, like right. it, it, I got it, I'll, I'll still say to this day, if you want to learn how to be a pro server, then go try and get a job at Glenn Smith's well, Ethel's Lounge. Well, Lounge. what I like then is that people, getting back to what I said before, a guy said, oh, yeah, people working at their bar a couple of years, they thought it was a big deal. Mm. Where Ethel's, people came into there and said, um, I'm going to do this for a life. Yeah. As a life skill, as a life this is my career. style. Yeah. And, 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 and that's what this show's about, so, yeah. And when I see people there now that have a house, a lot of them bought houses. Some of them have two houses. Some of them have families. Some of them, um, you know, have built careers knowing I'm going to be here. They know that I'm not going to say to them when they're 35, well, you get a little long in the tooth there, honey, and time to go. You know? 23. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, no, you're right. It's, yeah. It's, but they know that if they're a good worker and that they don't listen to the Grateful Dead at night, I'll be happy to have them work at my bar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> That's why he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is there, um, do you want to talk about the burger joint? Uh, not really. Okay. We it's, don't not a, it's not a, uh, it's a learning experience because a lot of things you learn, you sometimes as you get older, you forget them. You got to relearn a little like, bit. How many yeah. people have gone through your records? Well, I've been listening to this record 20 years or 30 mm. years. Or, I look, I bring stuff out from the seventies that I bought new, you know, uh, I had forgot that partners are very tricky. You know, it's tricky to deal with, not tricky people. Um, that owning two places is impossible, and I've never wanted to own two places. When I had, when I opened the Ethel's, I said, I'm selling the circus room, that's it. I don't care if now, I... Now, do you mean two places in general, or two places with different partner groups? Uh, or both? Two bars. Two I never, bars. I've, I've never owned two okay. at the same time. Um, and I forgot some of those things because it looked like a great opportunity at the time. Well, I, and, and then I'm like, oh, why did I do If this? I'm speaking at a school, you can tell me that I'm wrong, but I also felt like maybe you were getting a little bored for a little bit and you were like, let's try to do something else. Um, possibly bored. I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, all my life I, I'm just inches away from packing a suitcase and getting on the train going to New Orleans, you know, but it's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that that bar's for sale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back in the very early 70s, my I worked for Odeon Theaters when I was a kid as a, as a manager, managing movie theaters. And I got a job. I left high school one day. I went to Forest Heights. And I said, I, I, I just started grade 12, but I hated it. So I just quit. So I got, like, grade 11. So I said, the next day, I'm going to, we lived on Lawrence Avenue. I walked down Victoria Street, and I said, I'm going to go from one end of King Street and go all the way up King Street till I get a job. I don't care what. I was 18. Who cares? So the first place I went into, which ended up being Stages Nightclub, but at one time it was the Odeon Theater, they were just going to, they were just talking in the office, the manager and the assistant manager saying, we got to hire someone for the Hamilton Theater. And I walked in and said, I'm looking for a job. And they said, would you move to Hamilton? I went, sure. They said, you're hired. So my whole adventure, I went home in a half an hour, <laughs> said to my parents, I have a job. In Hamilton. So what do you do in Hamilton? So my father pulled out his father's old big leather suitcase. And I, whatever could fit in there is what I was moving with. Got the bus and I moved to Hamilton the next day. Moved into the YMCA on James Street, which is still there. It's like a hotel. 
and started working for the Odeon Theater. It was the first twin theater where they had two screens in the same building where they were taking these big houses and separating. And I worked there, and I did such a good job. I learned about promotion at the time, uh, putting up posters around town. I mean, it was easy. The movies of that time were like Young Frankenstein and American Graffiti, and it was so easy to promote because the movies were so great. Young Frankenstein, Gene Wilder, right? Yeah, and then they moved me to Peterborough because I did well. And I lived in Peterborough where uh, I lived across the street at the King Eddie Hotel upstairs, and the house band downstairs was Ronnie Hawkins' B band. His A band would be playing on Young Street, at the Hawk's Nest, but he had, because he lived up near Peterborough, Stony Lake, he had a B band, uh, and when anyone in, in the A band screwed up or quit, he could move his best players up from his B band, or if an A player like James Brown. <laughs> you know, would move a guy down because he's been too much drinking, so I the B band, which a lot of them ended up being his A band, I met them all there because I was living there and they play every night, which is a whole other bunch of <laughs> stories. And then they moved me to Toronto. I did that for about a year, and then I moved to town because uh, my father had a business uh, that he needed help really bad because he was getting busier. And I said, when I was younger, I would never, ever, ever work for my father. So I said, I'll work for you. They're really busy in the winter because we sold truck batteries, car batteries, diesel batteries. I said, I'll, um, I'll work for you for the winter until spring, but then I'm gone. I was going to move to Chicago. That was it. Go work for Alligator Records or something. Just be gone. So this would have been now 1975. And we had a dynamite winter. My dad did well. He paid me. And he could see I was, springtime was coming and I was gone. And then he offered me a raise. And I'm like, okay, just for a month or two. Well, 19 years later, after I bought him out, (laughs) tripled the sales and business and everything else, I finally sold that in 1992 but I'd already opened I did all this other stuff mm-hmm. but I was just doing too much stuff at the time and uh, so I've always been trying to leave town and at that time I said I'm leaving town sold my record store sold the circus room but my grandmother was really ill and I said well I can't leave until my grandmother either gets in a home or whatever happens happens and that did happen and um, both my grandmothers died the same day at nine o'clock in the morning one day. So one lived near the, on Ottawa Street. Right? Yeah, near the Concordia Club, one lived on Belmont. But uh, I said, now my grandmothers are both gone. And I can just sell off uh, whatever and be gone, sell Ethel's. And then I met a girl, got married, and I'm still here. So. <laughs> but that's... Now I guess now that I'm 64, the odds of me buggering off and starting my life as a new adventure, the time frame is getting a little tight. <laughs> it's getting tight. It's not, it's not over yet, but... It's not over yeah. yet. Not time. Still, time. I hear there's a bar for sale in New Orleans. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Driving me crazy. <laughs> well, Glenn, I, that was amazing. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, oh, great. Anytime. Is there, is there so anything... Gets uh, me out of the house during the virus. Any <laughs> other little nuggets of wisdom you can give me before we uh, sign off here? Um... If, if there's always a way, if you have a business and it's struggling, no matter what it is, there's always a way to fix it somehow. And sometimes it's just talking to other people, 
when they uh, what do you call it? Groups of people that are in business together get like the focus groups and stuff. Yeah, like just get together, maybe just sit around and throw ideas out. And it's amazing. You could run into someone that said, "Oh, I had an uncle that used to be in the same kind of business, and he always did try this and this and this." Sometimes your spirits get down, but there's always a way if you keep at it and your heart is in it, you can make it work. Mm. You know, sometimes it's who you talk to. Sometimes it's trying different types of advertising. I find it easier now, social, you know, media. When um, we, I was down about four or five years ago, uh, some people had left Ethel's. Sometimes happy about, but, <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, social media had just started, and we had like, you know, a hundred followers on Instagram, and I didn't realize the power of that it's aside crazy, from isn't Facebook it? Yeah. and everything else. And I said, every day, let's put something on Facebook and Instagram. Every day, our special of the day has to be on by 9 or 10 in the morning. Uh, or some event that we're doing, or a picture, or a picture of a regular picture or something. And keep at it. Now we have probably six, 7,000. Yeah, it matters. I've, I've learned that And it that matters a lot, and it's free. Yeah, it is free. So there's always ways to get your business up and running and some we probably don't even know what the next one is yet that's the other no. thing right like like who knew about fucking instagram or like 10 years ago right yet? or yeah. facebook yeah and, you know yeah so uh, it always changes so keep at it if you if you you know it beats working at some shitty factory somewhere in a punch press that's or true although you know? they might have a job right now and i don't and they pay right <laughs> <laughs> wait a second well, <laughs> maybe that was the nugget of wisdom glenn thank you so much that was amazing oh, no problem. thanks, thanks for, for being here thanks by. for for everything you've done for me in my life and Cheers. thanks for coming to do this podcast nice with us the industry i just, just to sign off before we go um it's the industry podcast on Instagram. Uh, it's the industry podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. Also, if you are in the service industry and want to be on the show, please DM us at the industry podcast. Or if you know either Dan or I personally, you can just message us. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're looking for guests. We're going to do stuff over Skype, so you don't have to feel like... You are not self-isolating. Or Zoom as well. Zoom, yeah. Well, we can all get hacked together. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, thanks again, Glenn. Cheers. Cheers, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man.